Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. A very good afternoon to you and welcome. Lovely to be in your company this afternoon. It is Wednesday. It is that time of the day when we turn to Judaism 101.9 and we get going with some things that you need to know and that should be known and that we perhaps have known and forgotten about Judaism in this session of Judaism 101.9. And of course, dealing this week with the month of ER, this incredible month that sits as a little bit of a go-between between the beautiful, powerful, powerhouse months of uh, uh, Nisan and Sivan, the two months in which those great Chagim, those great festivals about redemption and about Kabbalat Torah, about getting out of Egypt and about the receiving of the Torah, the reason why we actually got out of Egypt in the first place, hedged in between these two comes this month of Iyar. And in a way, it's regarded a little bit as a, an inverted commas, kind of an orphan month. It is uh, you know, I guess if you live in South Africa, you would have known over the last while that not only have we had a lot of load shedding um, as we had a lot of rain in the uh, summer months this year, but um, in addition to that, we've had a, a tremendous amount of public holidays, public holidays one after the other in this month of April. And then, of course, just because May wanted to get in on the act, it has one right at the beginning, public holiday after public holiday. And then, of course, the Chagim, the festivals. The beautiful Chag of Pesach, that powerhouse Chag that we get ready for for so long and that has such a huge, huge impact, not only on our eating habits, but on our national psyche and of our, on our feelings of geula, of redemption, of getting out of Egypt, all of that. And the whole reason that we got out of Egypt was, as we said, to receive the Torah, that only happened uh, seven weeks later, when we arrived at Mount Sinai and when we received the Torah at Mount Sinai all those years ago, this is the story of the two big powerhouse months. And in the middle, there's the month of Iyar. And the month of Iyar, from a Torah point of view, is kind of a nothing type of a month, unless we take another look at it. And we look at it under a microscope or under new glasses and spectacles, and we take a look at the month of ER, and we suddenly realize that this all-important month has something that no other Jewish month in the whole year has. And that is that every single day of this month has a special mitzvah that pertains just to it. What are we talking about? We're talking about Svirat HaOmer, the counting of the Omer. And the counting of the Omer is this count up to Shavuot, the count up to the Chag of Shavuot when we received the Torah. From the moment we left Egypt until the time we received the Torah, we were on our path. We were on our way. We were on our way to receive the Torah, every day was significant. We counted the days. We were looking forward to it. I guess like uh, we had the privilege over this last Pesach of having grandchildren come and join us from overseas as uh, <coughs> the excitement builds in those days leading up to greeting them, to seeing them, to preparing for them. That's the kind of um, atmosphere and attitude that the Jewish people had and that we always have to have when we leave Egypt to receiving the Torah and when we relive it if we're, as we're instructed to in the Torah. These days in this month of Iyar 
come in the middle of the count of the Omer. They are the 29, 30 days bang in the middle of the counting of the Omer. We started on the 15th, on the 16th actually, of Nisan. We go till the 6th of uh, Sivan. But the month of Iyar, those days of this, of this month that we're in, each one of them is counted. Each one of them is significant. Each one of them is numbered. And each one of them has a blessing that is made particularly for it. Today we are already on the 18th day of the Omer. But today is the third day of Iyar. We started on Rosh Chodesh Iyar with a bracha that we would have made then on the 16th and then on the 17th and then on the 18th. And each day of this month, we're going to make a blessing. We're going to count the day. We're going to number it. And we are signifying the power of the time of each day of this month. It is like no other. And it's not for no reason that um, many great commentators have taken a look at this month of Iyar and said it has a significant name. The name of the month of Iyar is <coughs> actually an acrostic. It stands for Ani Hashem Rofecha. I am, in the name of God, uh, the Yud, or the Yud's in the middle of the month of Iyar, Rofecha, I am God who heals you. This is the month of healing. It's the month of preparedness, of preparation. It's the month of readying ourselves to receive that Torah in the month of Sivan. It was a time for us to actually take Egypt by the scruff of its neck and get it out of our systems. We had gotten out of Egypt, but now we needed to get Egypt out of us. And it was during this month, the month of Iyar, on our passage from um, uh, Egypt to Mount Sinai, that we spent an entire month plus a few days in the month of Nisan, plus a few days in the month of Sivan. But the power-packed month of Iyar was this opportunity for not only enrichment and growth, which was necessary, but for disabusing ourselves of everything that Egypt had stood for and everything that we'd become um, used to and that we'd gotten involved in. The headspace of Egypt needed to be uh, wrung out of us, and it all happened along the way in these days of Sphira and in this month of Iyar. So, significant, of course, a day, a month, and each day counting significantly in this beautiful mitzvah that we now relive every single year with the counting of the Omer, counting up to Har Sinai, counting up to Mount Sinai. There are several significant dates in this month, of course, each one of them, none of them, of course, coming directly from Torah itself, but each one of them with a certain significance for uh, the Jewish people as we go along. Of course, working backwards, there is Lagba Omer. Lagba Omer, the 18th day of um, the month of Iyar, so that's in a few in a couple of weeks' time, that day, Lagba Omer, the uh, 33rd day of the Omer, is a day on which the students of Rabbi Akiva stop dying. It is the yard site of the Rashbi, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. It is a day that is celebrated. Of course, we know of the great, huge celebrations that take place in Miron, outside Tzfas, 
It's uh, hard to believe that it's already a year ago since that fateful day when un- unfortunately there was a stampede and many, many people lost their lives. Uh, we hope and pray that, of course, this year things go a lot better and uh, that there is uh, no pain and no suffering and no hurt um, this year uh, for that great and wondrous celebration. But, of course, a significant date coming up, Lag Omer, um, in a couple of weeks' time. And then, of course, working back towards uh, this day, we have the celebration of Israel's birthday, uh, <coughs> known as Yom Ha'atzma'ut, the Day of Independence, um, which occurs um, actually on the 5th of Iyar. It is brought forward um, this year because of uh, the impending Shabbat that is coming along. And of course then today, Yom HaZikaron, when uh, people remember the uh, soldiers who gave their lives in fighting for Israel. And then if we come a little bit earlier than that, there is the day that we celebrated yesterday, um, which was Beit Iyar, the second day in the month of Iyar. And we'll talk a little bit more about that um, in a moment or two. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So 188 years ago exactly, in 1834, a young man was born and his name was Shmuel. He was named Shmuel by his father. His father's name was Rabbi Menachem Mendel, who uh, was Menachem Mendel Schneerson. He was actually otherwise known as the Tzemach Tzedek. The Tzemach Tzedek's family gave birth to another son. His name was Shmuel. The name came from a water carrier. Strangely enough, he was named by his father after a water carrier, a simple Jew who had done great things, and this was the name chosen by the great Rabbi Menachem Mendel, the Tzemach Tzedek, to name his son Shmuel. And Shmuel actually was the youngest son, so he was their last child, and he was a prolific, brilliant, and divinely inspired leader who took over the reins of the Chabad Lubavitch movement when his father passed away. And at that age, at that time, he was in his early 30s, a young man who had actually already been married and widowed and remarried by the time he actually acceded to the leadership of the Chabad Lubavitch dynasty of the Chabad Lubavitch movement. It's a strange thing that he was the youngest child. Um, because he had several older brothers who themselves were um, great individuals. In fact, there were seven of them, and each of them was an accomplished Torah scholar and a great Hasidic leader in his own right. And although he was born after his uh, brothers um, and was the youngest of them all, he was ultimately chosen um, at the time of his father's passing in 1866, he was chosen to become the new leader. Now, there were some strange and interesting things about his birth as well, because at just before he was born, there were several great fires, famous fires, that ravaged the town of Lubavitch. And yes, of course, Lubavitch was a town in Russia. And after a devastating fire in 1832, a couple of years before he was born, a new house was built for the Rebbe, his father, Rabbi Menachem Mendel, and his family, which was built as a gift from the local squire. And although the family hadn't yet fully moved into the house, the first order of business was to bring in a new bed 
for the upcoming birth of Rabbi Shmuel. It's interesting to note, actually, that this bed had previously been the platform on which they had sifted flour for matzah baking. Very interesting connections here all around that matzah baking had been done on this bed upon which the young baby, uh, Shmuel, was actually born. Now, another interesting fact is that the Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel, the Tzemach Tzedek, um, had specifically instructed the midwife, who was present at the time of the birth of Reb Shmuel, that she needed to immerse in a mikveh, which she actually did before receiving the child, and she then had him swaddled in a white cloth that was particularly given to her for this purpose. There was the sense of um, awe and um, incredible uh, spiritual power that came into the world at the time of Rabbi Shmuel, of Shmuel's birth. And as we said, named um, for a water carrier, he later became known as the Rabbi Maharash, Maharash being the uh, our master, the Rabbi Shmuel Maharash Morenu Harav Shmuel. And so amongst Hasidim, he was known as the Rabbi Maharash. Now, as a youngster, when he was growing up, he actually took a keen interest in carpentry. He, uh, as a young boy, besides his Torah learning, his scholastic abilities, his incredible knowledge and his spiritual prowess, uh, the Rebbe Reb Shmuel actually involved himself in carpentry. He liked to make um, things. He liked to produce things. And a disciple of his father once said to him, um, I'll give you a pocket knife. If you can tell me where God is. Now, so a child is being challenged by an older person. I'll give you a pocket knife if you can tell me where God is. And without skipping a beat, the youngster replied, and I'll give you a pocket knife if you can find a place where God is not. Beautiful, beautiful little uh, anecdote about the Rebbe Maharash. In his later years, due to his uh, frail health, he was advised by medical specialists to take a break from the intensity of his academic vigor and engage in crafts. And at that time, he built several tables and other wooden creations. And he also wrote Megillah scrolls, famous Megillah scrolls, which he gifted to his children. Now, the date of his birth was very significant because he was born on the 2nd of Iyar. So that was yesterday. Today is the 3rd. The 2nd of Iyar, the 17th day of the Omer count, that's the time that he was born. And if you take a look in your Siddur, you will notice that there are certain emotional attributes, Kabbalistic emotional attributes, which are listed at the side of each day that we count. And this one is Tiferet, Sheba Tiferet, or beauty within beauty, or perhaps a better translation is harmony within harmony. Now, each one of the attributes reflects a certain attribute of God, and those, of course, are the attributes and the dimensions that God has placed into our neshamas, into our souls, and each one of them has a part of the other. So we kind of go through these 49 days. There are seven attributes. Each one of the seven is part of the other, and therefore we have tiferet, sheba tiferet, or the um, idea of beauty within beauty or harmony within harmony. Remember, we have been through two weeks before this of chesed and gevura. Chesed being kindness, gevura being strength or 
um, the unflinchingness of the individual, of the soul, and of godliness. And when we take those two and we put them together, one has to get them to work together. They are kind of polar opposites, and they conflict with each other. But when we can bring about the peace between them, that is the harmony. Now, if we have the harmony within harmony, if we've got tiferet sheba tiferet, the harmony within harmony, or beauty within beauty, this is the day on which this great sage, this great man, this great rabbi, Rabbi Shmuel, was actually born, the second of Iyar. Now, when he was a young child, he um, displayed remarkable studiousness. He had a great retention and a devotion to his studies. And when he was just seven years old, he was tested by his father. So imagine the senior rabbi, Rabbi Menachem Mendel, the Tzemach Tzedek, is is testing the child in his teacher's presence. And he knew all the answers. And seeing how well his student had performed, the teacher couldn't hold himself back, and he exclaimed, huh, what do you say? Doesn't he do brilliantly? Isn't he a brilliant student? Rabbi Menachem Mendel, the father, replied, and he said, what is the excitement when Tiferet Sheba Tiferet does well? Or kind of what do you expect? Tiferet Sheba Tiferet, the day on which he was born, was this day that is blessed with this Tiferet Sheba Tiferet, the idea of Harmony within harmony, or beauty within beauty, this is the power that this soul carries with it. And it actually comes right at the beginning of the month, the second day in the month of Iyar, which in uh, communities worldwide is usually the day on which we start once again saying our tachanun, our penitential prayers after having uh, uh, had a month of uh, Simcha of Nisan, and then, of course, Rosh Chodesh, the first day. So the second is kind of the day on which we get back to work, the day on which we need to try and make harmony, I guess, between uh, body and soul, harmony between us and the world, all of these ideas of harmony. This is what the Rebbe Maharash um, represents and what the day of Beit Iyar, of course, Tiferet Shebe Tiferet, represents as well. Now, as we mentioned, he married young and he was widowed, unfortunately. His uh, new bride passed away just three months after they had uh, become married to each other. And uh, he was crestfallen. He was uh, very down. <coughs> his uh, father, Rabbi Menachem Mendel, gave him a room next to his own study and enabled him to come and spend a lot of time um, in his own uh, tutorship and uh, shared with him great and wonderful secrets of Torah and great and wonderful secrets about the history of uh, the Chabad and the Hasidic uh, movement per se. And then a little bit later on, at the suggestion of his grandmother, who was known as Rebetzin Shana, he married uh, Rebetzin Rivka, uh, with whom he had four sons and two daughters. Rebetzin Rivka lived a long life and was influ- an influential in, uh, figure in the childhood of their grandson, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak, who became the sixth Rebbe of Chabad, the father-in-law of our Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson, um, of course, uh, later on. Now, the Rebbe Reb Shmuel was just 21 years old when he traveled extensively to better the lot of his Jewish brethren. He knocked on many doors of government officials in Paris, in Berlin, in Kiev, in Petersburg, and beyond, on behalf of the downtrodden Jews in the Russian Empire, 
And of course, think about how topical that is today as well. He worked tirelessly to shield the Jewish people from discriminatory laws, from pogroms, from forced expulsions. That was all happening then as well. And uh, the Rebbe was politically very active in those realms as well. He spoke many languages, Russian, French, Latin, etc., um, and he had a wide and vast knowledge of many disciplines, including medicine. In fact, he used this um, to, uh, he was known to uh, hide his Torah knowledge. And in fact, it was a well-known anecdote that he had German newspapers that he displayed when people came to visit. He, strewn, he uh, put them all over the uh, tables and so on when people came so that they would think that he was reading newspapers became the Rebbe when he was 31 years old, um, and um, many of the Hasidim were at a loss, as we said before, as to who to choose as the Rebbe, um, and several of the brothers set up Hasidic courts in Kapust, in Liadi, in Nezhen, in Ovruch, um, yet over time, the bulk of the Hasidic community recognized that this one, this young uh, Reb Shmuel was the one to follow. He became the leader of Lubavitch, the leader of the Chabad Lubavitch movement in the town of Lubavitch. He lived by a very, very fascinating motto. And in fact, he is probably best known for this. And that is the motto of L'Chathchila Ariba. And I think that this is where I really wanted to head with this discussion about the Rebbe Maharash. L'Chathchila Ariba means to begin with go over. Now, if we think of the idea of the word lechatchila, it is a Talmudic word, it is a halachic word, where we talk about the difference between lechatchila and bidieved. Lechatchila means to begin with, at the start. Bidieved means ex post facto, once it has happened, and in fact this plays a great role in many halachic decisions. Are you allowed to do something lechatchila? Lechatchila, you cannot mix meat and milk together, for instance. But what happens if Bidi Evet, if ex post facto, a few drops of milk fell into your chicken soup? That is the difference. Lechatchila means at the outset, at the outset, to begin with. Um, there is, it's a much stronger attitude when it comes to Lechatchila than it does to Bidi Evet, ex post facto, when something has already happened, and the way that we judge and the way that we look at it under the halachic um, uh, telescope or under the halachic magnifying glass. When we think about lechatchila to begin with, what was his motto and how is it discerned? Well, if we think about it, we talk about the idea of each and every one of us from time to time confronting issues, confronting a problem. The Rebbe Maharash was one to say that if you come to a fence and you cannot find a way to go underneath it, the majority of the world would say, if you cannot find a way to go underneath, then try and find a way to go over, to go over the obstacle. And he said, I say, lechatchila ariba, to begin with. We shouldn't krich underneath. We shouldn't be trying to crawl under. We shouldn't go in a way of negativity or downtroddenness or uh, false humility or whatever. We should be going lechatchila ariba. We should stand tall. We should stand up. We should go over the top to begin with. Go over the top of the obstacle. To begin with, take, so to speak, the high road. Why are you taking the low road when you can and you should be taking the high road? Lechatchila ariba. He became best known for this motto, for this statement, for this saying, Lechatchila Ariba, to begin with, go over. 
This is in fact what the Rebbe Maharash stood for throughout his life. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So perhaps when we think about this beautiful month of Iyar that we are now in, and of course today the third day in the month of Iyar, we should be focusing our attentions on some of these special messages that come directly from Rabbi Shmuel, whose birthday, as we said, was yesterday, the second day of Iyar. He taught Lachatchila Ariba, to begin with, go over, to begin with, do things in the best possible way. Why do we settle for second best when we can have the best? And we have that privilege, we have that opportunity as Jews everywhere and at all times. We have the best. We've got the best of gifts that Hashem has given us as Jews with a neshama, with a soul that desires, that really wants to be taken to spiritual highs. It wants to do mitzvahs. It wants to learn Torah. And we have the facilities. We have the most incredible facilities for Torah learning, not only around the world, but right here in South Africa. We have teachers. We have rabbis. We have uh, communities. We have shuls. We have schools. We have so many wonderful things that are right here, not only at our doorstep, but right within our cells, within our um, uh, very beings. We have those golden talents and those great opportunities. And why do we settle for second best? Why do we try and krich, so to speak, to try and crawl under the fence? Why do we try and look at any problem, issue, um, stumbling block? that may be placed in our way as something that is going to get us down, make us miserable, make us run for cover or run away altogether. Why don't we go lechatchila ariba? Take a leaf out of the book of Rabbi Shmuel of Lubavitch. Take a leaf out of the book of the man whose birthday actually blesses this month in a way and has the significance of this particular time. Lechatchila ariba. To begin with, to go over the top. To begin with, to do things in the best possible way. To not settle for second best. To not try and um, find, so to speak, the easy way out or take the path most traveled. Let's rather look at the path a little less traveled. Let's take the path of the greatest success. Let's take the path of the greatest um, achievement and accomplishment. Let's take the path that is best suited to our golden, wonderful beautiful neshamas to our beautiful souls and to our abilities that we can to go over the top to do things in the best possible fashion let it be a motto that we actually adopt each and every day of this month of year where we are blessing each day with the Sfirat HaOmer, where each day we are polishing another dimension of our souls, where each day we are fixing fulfilling and uplifting every facet of our beings, both spiritual and physical, and trying to reach the greatest of heights, um, each and every one of us doing what we are meant to be doing and reaching for the highest possible accomplishment that we can achieve. We have it within ourselves. We have that ability. We have the spring in our spiritual steps to be able to um, uh, jump and reach right over the top we have that ability, and why don't we use it right now? L'chatchila riba. Adopt the attitude of the Rebbe Reb Shmuel. I'll be back with you right after this. 
Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. And welcome back. Yes, and to sum up, we have been talking about this significant month of Iyar, the time of Ani Hashem Rofecha, the time of healing, the time of uh, great heights that can be accomplished from the soul that's within taking each moment of each day and remembering the significance of time itself. It is at this time that we've got to count time. Time is counted and time is blessed. Time itself is what we make the blessings on during the time of Sphira. And of course, the word Sphira doesn't only mean to count. The word Sphira means from the word um, Sapphire. Uh, sapirut, we talk about um, uh, sparklingness, um, glowing. That is actually what Sphira is all about. It's the time to bring out the glow. It is the time to uh, behold the great and wondrous um, strength that we have in each dimension, in each facet of our souls and to make sure that they are utilized, that they are used correctly, that they are brought to bear not only on ourselves, but that they're brought to bear on others in a way of changing our lives, in directing our lives well, and in making sure that we live our lives in that attitude of lechatchila ariba, of reaching the greatest heights that we could possibly accomplish, all endowed with great and wonderful character traits, all endowed with the greatest strengths, all endowed with the ability to learn, to grow, and to bring greatness upon ourselves and upon all those who are around us. We have that ability. Let's reach for it and let's try and accomplish it, each and every one of us, in our own way. This is perhaps the greatest strength and the greatest message of this wonderful month of ER. The month when Hashem says, I am God who heals you. Yes, we're not going to do this alone. God is there for us. And yes, we are not the ones who are expected to bring about the entire healing. But God has given us that strength. He's given us that ability to do so, to bring it about, and to make the fundamental changes in the world that we hope and pray will happen very, very soon, speedily in our time. It is an opportunity for us to participate. It's an opportunity for us to do. It's an opportunity for us to help to bring Mashiach. It's an opportunity for us to help to bring about a complete transformation of our entire world into something that is uh, dreamed about, that's hoped about, and that's prayed for each and every day of our lives. So I want to wish you a great rest of the week. I want to wish you a great Shabbat up ahead. I uh, look forward to being back with you same time, same place next week on another exciting installment of Judaism 101.9.